0: Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Thou shalt not steal. Last week we looked at the prohibition form as it is given to us in the Decalogue. And we have been discovering how vast these commandments are. They're in category form not just in the wooden statements of the commands themselves just to uh, again show us the uh, exceeding broadness of each category both in its prohibition and precept form listen to the larger catechism question 142 what are the sins forbidden in the 8th commandment The answer is not simply, do not steal. The sins forbidden, besides the neglect of the duties required, are theft, robbery, man-stealing, receiving anything that is stolen, fraudulent dealing, false weights and measures, removing landmarks, injustice and unfaithfulness in contracts between man and man or in matters of trust, oppression, extortion, usury, bribery, vexatious lawsuits, unjust enclosures and depopulations, engrossing commodities to enhance the price, unlawful callings, and all other unjust or sinful ways of taking or withholding from our neighbor what belongs to him or of enriching ourselves. It continues. Covetousness, inordinate prizing and affecting worldly goods, distrustful and distracting cares and studies and getting, keeping, and using them, envying at the prosperity of others, as likewise idleness, prodigality, wasteful gaming, and all other ways whereby we do unduly prejudice our own outward estate, and defrauding ourselves of the due use and comfort of that estate which God hath given us. How'd you like that one? Well the precept form is is not much shorter than the the prohibition form. So the question is asked, what are the duties required in the eighth commandment? What are your thoughts on that? We have the sins that are forbidden but we also have the duties that are required. And I'll wait to, uh, to read those in due time. But, have you ever heard of the forgotten beatitude? So it's called. The forgotten beatitude is, what Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's really the precept of the Eighth Commandment. It's not merely thou shalt not steal, but it's, a, it's, an, it's an encouragement for us to give. That we are to be givers and not takers. And the question is a challenge to us. Do you enjoy giving or taking more? You don't need to raise your hand in either case. What is, is uh, more joyful for us? To, to receive... Or to give <clears throat> this command again, I remind us there are many uses to the law of God, but this commandment, among the major uses, it shows us, it challenges us to love the Lord by obeying this. This is found in in the uh, in the Decalogue: is love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. A man named Craigie said this about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments provide the framework within which we can express our love for God. Here's how we're to love God. We Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So let's just look at the eight commandments. If you love me, you won't steal. If you love me, you will give. So we're looking at the positive today and not the negative. Remember, eight of the ten commandments are given in the prohibition, the negative form two are given in the positive form, which means that of the eight negative, there are going to be eight positive as the corresponding uh, opposite. And of the two positive, there are going to be the corresponding two negative. God's law is so vast. As David said, Thy commandment is exceeding broad. And let's not forget that beatitude that, Paul quotes for the Ephesian elders. That's found in Acts 20, verse 35. To remember the words of the Lord Jesus that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Remember the famous statement in Ephesians 4.28, Thou shalt not steal, or them that stole, steal no more. There's the negative. But then it goes on to say the positive let him labor working with his own hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So the apostle says that the the uh, precept of the Eighth Commandment is not just to give, but you can't give without working and receiving uh, that which you're able to give. And that's what he says. Labor working with your own hands. Not only to provide our own needs, how often people will work to just provide their own needs, but our goal is that we may have to give to those that are in need. In other words, our goal is not to just meet our own needs, but to have enough, more than enough to be able to share with others. In other words, generosity is found in this command. So it's not just giving, but working and giving. So labor and liberality are the, the uh, twin challenges of the eighth commandment it seems straightforward doesn't it thou shalt not steal or thou shalt uh, work and give maybe on the personal level but the, uh, the duties required are vast and uh, just I'm just taking a thimble to the, the ocean of God's word and we're just drinking a thimble this morning even of the uh, application of the sixth or the eighth commandment, think of these verses just in Luke six thirty-eight. It just starts with "give." Second Corinthians nine: God loveth a cheerful giver. The word there that's translated "cheerful" is actually the English word, if you transliterate it, "hilarious." Now, the 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 view there is not that somebody's just guffawing when they give. We think of the word hilarious as something that really makes you laugh loudly and, and and uh vigorously. But the idea is the Lord loves a cheerful giver. In other words, it, it widens his smile when we give. First Peter says we're to show hospitality without grudging. In other words, it's it's uh it's easy to just drop a bill into a box, but the challenge is, like Hebrews 13 says, to let brotherly love continue and do not forget hospitality. Hospitality takes effort. Casting a coin in the box doesn't take much effort. It says, Galatians 6.10, as we therefore have opportunity, or the word is time, as we therefore have time, let us do good, literally work the good unto all men, especially or most of all to the ones of the household or the family of faith. Think of all those verses about generosity. First Corinthians ten, twenty four, let no one seek his own, and the the word it's kind of blank after that In, in the in the authorized version it says, let no one seek his own wealth, which is a good fill in. But let no one seek his own things but each one that of another. In other words, it's not saying we're to be busybodies in people's lives, but it's just that we're to be considerate about our our neighbor's economic welfare. Not just their economic, their spiritual, their family, their mental. So it's dealing with more than just finances in the Eighth Commandment. Love seeketh not his own. 1 Corinthians 13. And on and on and on. And I would just like... To get us to consider some arguments about us being generous and uh, a challenge for us to uh, be givers and not merely takers. Now, God is a giver and we, we have received much from Him. And really, that's the first thought. Mercy is the word I use to start with as a challenge for us to be generous. God has been merciful to you and me. He has created us. Think about it. We've been made in His image. He's given us our, our souls. He's given us our bodies. He's given us existence and life. And think about it, that you and I are not oxen or sheep, that we're human beings made in His image. And, and uh, remember what He said to Adam and Eve, Behold, I have given you uh, the earth, as it were. He, there in Eden He put the man. Uh, he basically gave them ownership of the Garden of Eden and, and the earth, but we have to keep in mind the earth is the Lord's. Everything we have, and people certainly argue about this, but everything we have is the Lord's, and He has lent it to us. Whether it be our land, our homes, God has lent us everything that we own. So we're we're borrowers. We're we're lend. We're the ones that are uh, as. Have been have been uh, recipients of God's benefits, and remember there are four ways at least, and there are more than that, no doubt, that are lawful ways of gaining um, ownership or gaining things. It's 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 rewards for working. You've got investments, legal, lawful investments. You've got gifts that you might receive, and inheritance, uh, and. Even even those things, when you think about it, if we, if we are given a gift, God gave us favor in that person's eyes to give it to us. If we've earned something by our work, God has given us strength. We could have been born blind or born uh, paraplegics. Uh, if if we have received inheritance, God was kind to first of all allow whoever we're a benef- beneficiary of to have something to to give to, to their children. so And again, having favor with that person. And if it's an investment, God can cause our investments to plummet uh, in a hurry as we've seen lately. So everything we have is, it comes from the Lord. And uh, we're, we're borrowers. Psalm 8 says, Thou madest man to have dominion over the works of thy hands. It's God's works. It's God's riches, God's wood, God's uh, metal, It's God's water, God's skies. What, what, a, what a gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of giving, the gospel of grace. For God so loved the world that He gave. He didn't take. He gave His Son. Even repentance is a gift. Acts 11 says God granted repentance. Jesus gave Himself for us. The Gospel, not only creation, but especially the Gospel shows us the generosity of God. Oh, the generosity of God. And it tells us in Acts 14, He gave us rain from heaven. He gives us food to eat. But especially... Eternal life. Isaiah nine six we often quote and sing at Christmas time. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Grace to us. All we have is given and borrowed. So God's mercy is a challenge for us to be generous. We're to be like the Lord, aren't we? He's generous. And let us be like the Lord and more like the Lord. Lord give us generous hearts so mercy is the first argument for us to be generous secondly legitimacy of that is the right of private property it's god is is caused that which he has given us to be lent and in a sense to be owned notice in the sec in the tenth commandment it says we're not to covet our neighbor's house our neighbor's wife our neighbor's servants and animals in other words they're owned by our neighbor. Well, not so much the wife, in the sense the idea is that, that the wife and husband are, are uh, in league together, in covenant together. But it shows the the legitimacy of private property, of wealth. And we just read together Exodus twenty two verses one to fifteen, the case laws, the application of the eighth commandment, and uh, we're to be respectful of of that. And the obvious implication of the and in what it shows in Exodus 22 is the reverse of stealing. If we have stolen, we are to restore restitution. And sometimes it was double, four times. Remember, uh, um, Zacchaeus said, "If I have taken anything unjustly, I think what did he say? I restore four times." And so twice if you're going to steal something obviously first of all we fear God but restoration is in order if we have ever stolen and certainly uh, um, I told you that that in in, uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland in the 1800's when revival when revival came to the land uh, in the shipyards where the the, uh, Well, that was the early 1900s, but in the shipyards where later the, uh, I'm thinking of the major ship that went down in the North Atlantic, uh, the Titanic, right, in the shipyards where the Titanic would be built, there were many of these laborers that were converted to Christ. And. They began returning all the items that were stolen, and finally the management said, "Stop! We, get, we don't have any more any room to store all those stolen items." And the question is, what stolen items might be in our garage or our basement? Let's hope that there aren't. And uh, how often preachers will say, and "Maybe they're on the other end of it too." They'll say, "If I can only have back some of my library that's been borrowed out by friends, and, and uh, they've they've gotten." Wings and flown away. But God is teaching us the, the right of private property gained from wages, from gifts, from not exorbitant interest, and uh, so on. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath He, hath he, hath he given to the sons of men. Psalm 115, verse 16. And in a sense, a lease, and everything we have is leased to us. A lease is still, in a sense, personal property about our mind that God has given us. Isn't that leased to us? He's the one that causes us to think, to reason, to remember. Land, wealth, a home, a vehicle, our trade, all of this is given to us by the Lord. May we not be stingy with that which the Lord has entrusted to us. But the point being made, you can't steal something that isn't owned by another person. Uh, And there's no legal right for us to steal personal property, I suppose, unless you're a communist, or unless you're the present uh, administration. But mercy is a challenge to us to be generous uh, leg- le- legitimacy the right of private property is a challenge to us not to steal but yet to be generous and may I say that the fact that we have the right to private property is a challenge to us not, not only to not take someone else's property but to use our own private property and I, we, we'll, we'll get to that certainly the third word is industry The Lord told Adam to dress and keep the garden. Now that tells me that he was to work. And you remember, there are three creation institutions found in the early part of Genesis. The very first one, represented by the Sabbath day, is religion. Adam and Eve's relationship with God was paramount. So you have religion. Religion didn't start at Mount Sinai. Uh, Their religion, their... Their, uh, relationship with God was right away in the Garden of Eden. So you have religion, you have work. He made him a gardener. Uh, he said to dress the garden and keep it, to protect it, and to, to, uh, manage the growth of the garden. Uh, obviously he didn't have to deal with, with, uh, weeds and, and, uh, cockroaches and those things that seem to be obviously the result of the fall and then of course marriage he made them male and female the Lord pictures the father bringing the wife the the, the, the daughter down the aisle it says he brought Eve to, to Adam and so you have religion work and marriage so the Lord tells us that we are to in order to gain private property we are to work to labor, and obviously the gift and the inheritance and the investment comes afterward. But after the fall, he says, "In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread." Work didn't didn't uh, wasn't in, uh, wasn't commanded uh, just after the fall, but hard work, uh, difficult work was commanded. The Lord says, "You're going to now work by the sweat of your face to eat bread." And we know that the Lord is teaching us throughout Scripture, it's not just employment. It's lawful employment. You read about employment in the Bible. uh, Tillers of the ground, shepherds, musicians, metal workers, carpenters, fishermen, soldiers, governors, sellers of purple, tent makers, tax collectors. Those are all legitimate. But the Lord indicates that there are illegitimate unlawful employments uh, and we can infer from some scrap scriptures like Proverbs where it says um, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished and obviously by unlawful gaming and so on but uh, there are many employments that are not lawful um, obviously we, 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 we can see things happening and I could never be a uh, cigarette salesman to tell you the truth I would never can a Christian be a salesman of of uh, even magazines if they include immoral magazines of course not so there are many unlawful employments out there in the world that we need to that we need to avoid the Bible also warns against slothfulness and being a sluggard throughout the book of Proverbs Really, that's, that's, in, that's included as a thief. Uh, if a person is slothful and will not work, there are, there are actually professional uh, sloths in the world. Now, the Lord Jesus did say that the poor you will have always with you. So it's one thing to be poor by providence, whether it be because of ill health or because of in, uh, in injury, but the Lord says there will always be opportunities to give to the poor, and by providence, by the decree of God, there are people that are poor. We would not be able to give if there were not poor people, as it were. Well, in in, in that sense, but there are poor people by prodigality; they're they're thieving themselves, as it were. And then there are poor by sloth; they're a thief on society, and the Lord condemns those things but industry is a challenge is an argument for us to be generous again to work for a living and not just to work to just get by but to work so that we might have to give to those that are in need the fourth challenge is piety the Bible tells us in Malachi that we rob God if we Keep back that which we're to give to Him. Malachi 3 says to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I've heard people say to me, I can't afford to tithe. It's like, well, I can't afford not to tell the truth. Or I can't afford not to steal. Uh, You can't afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to uh, tell the truth. And so on. Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Interestingly, the people that have told me they can't afford to tithe have been the, some of the wealthiest people. And it's, what it is, is they're, they're, they're just tight with their finances and with their wealth and they're afraid of losing it. But you know, the Bible tells us so often, doesn't it give and it shall be given to you? That's not why we give. But David says in 1 Chronicles 29.14, Of thine own have we given thee. Everything we have is the Lord's. We can't afford not to give back to God. What an what a indictment. Will a man rob God? Can you imagine robbing God? That's what we do when we withhold tithing of our resources. It's, it's greed. And of course, we're to be stewards of our resources too. We're to be careful not to waste. And that's, I think, a challenge that sometimes we don't take seriously. Remember when the Lord uh, multiplied the fish and the loaves? We're told that He said, gather up the fragments that nothing be lost. Now, is that just a, a statement that shouldn't be applied for for, for uh, society? I mean. I would would we should be encouraging people who are starving to just go outside in the backyard of restaurants i mean i you if you've ever worked for a restaurant or ever seen what's happened the, the waste is unimaginable we could we could uh we could feed a nation with the waste but that's a challenge to all of us isn't it even in our own homes do we throw out things that we just uh um didn't Pay attention to stewards of our meat, of our groceries, and, and those things. It's a challenge to all of us. And in this area of piety, what about taking care of our parents? For the proverb for today, Proverbs twenty-eight, verse twenty-four warns about robbing father and mother, and uh, we certainly should take care of them not only financially if we can, but also. Uh, mentally, for Proverbs also warns us about grieving our fathers and mothers by a life of, pro- a life of uh, uh, promiscuity. So piety is an argument for us to be generous. We are, like Jacob said, he, he uh, committed to the Lord, he said, I will surely give a tithe unto thee. Honesty is a challenge, is an argument for us to be generous. Lord says a just weight is God's delight. He talks about scales uh, that we find in the stores. Uh, false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. But it also is dealing, as we deal economically uh, with people. You go to a, an auction, and you know an item is worth $20 or what have you. and they, And you can see the people that are selling these things have hardly... Two nickels to rub together, and, and we say that's only worth $10. Not only are we lying, we're stealing from that individual. Man, give them, give them their. If you see somebody is poor, I understand there's some context where, where you, you do dicker back and forth, but man, we need to look at people and care for their economic welfare and uh, give them what the, the item deserves. You go down to the Springville auction and you see these people are there every week whether it be raining, snowing, or sunshine. And uh, you know they're not making a lot of money. And you look at an item and say, come on, I'm going to try to dicker from $5 down if if I can see that 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 item not only do I need, but they need the, the funds for it. Let's have a heart. It's interesting how Abraham paid the full amount when he was looking for a... A grave site for for Sarah. Now I understand that that those things can be can be uh, what's what's the word can 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 be negotiated, but he knew. I think I think there's a couple lessons here. Not only the fact he wanted to be honest and show them that he was a believer and trusting God, but I think he knew that that uh, that the challenge of those pagans was you know i really want the money that i'm asking for but i i I respect you as a as as a god-fearing man and and, uh don't worry about it but he said you know the the pagan says it's worth this much and abraham didn't seek to negotiate he said look i want to be a testimony and he, he counted out exactly what the man was asking and we we find how careful believers are to be a good testimony remember the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah came and said we'll give you the money and he says no I'm not going to take a shoe lace from you uh, lest you say that, that you gave to Abraham you enriched him but the testimony of the believer is so important have we ever said to someone that's worth more than that and I'll give you, I, I'm going to give you more than it's worth Then then you're asking for it. Have you ever said, uh, have you ever returned an item not paid for? Have you ever uh, paid a worker what he's worth? That's amazing to me that I have discovered good workers will just jump to another job when they're not being paid what they deserve. A good worker's worth three uh, sloths and workers that don't work hard. It's just amazing to me when you see someone and you say, that person should be paid double. They're so hard working. And before you know it, they're working for somebody else that, that really respects their labor. Have we ever kept track of break time and lunch time? Have we ever re- refused to pilfer company property? What about paying our taxes? What about government programs that we really don't need are we stealing from the government what about pro beggars i heard about an honest beggar recently someone was in san francisco and he was walking somewhere and there was a sign the guy said i'm being honest with you i just want money for beer <laughs> and the christian said you know if he'd have been asking for something else i would have given i would have i would have given it to him on the spot But the guy was honest. So I guess that's an honest beggar. But you might want to ask him, why aren't you working as a a beggar in the grocery store down the road instead of standing here in the corner? But we're to be honest in our affairs. And if we have discovered that we have defrauded and we have stolen, then we, like like Zacchaeus, need to restore that which we took away. Of Jesus, it says, He restored that which He took not away. Jesus paid for something that we broke, that we stole. We were thieves of our innocence. We, are, we were thieves of, of our original righteousness. How merciful the Lord is. Let's be honest in our dealings with our fellow man next word is charity that's obviously the main motivation regarding being generous to our neighbor love your neighbor as yourself the precept especially of the eighth commandment is to be concerned for our neighbor's economic well-being, security and happiness Abraham says to Lot when they had to separate you choose you choose which direction I'll go the opposite I mean we talk about I mean Abraham was the senior Abraham was was the uh, the elder one and yet he had more concern about Lot's economic, economic welfare what about you see a last item on the shelf and, and you and I are going for that last item and somebody's reaching for it and we grabbed it first have you ever had a situation where somebody says oh I really needed that you know go ahead you can have it do we have that concerned, looking at every man in his own things. Oh, I needed that item too. How about we cut it in half? (laughs) Well, a baby can't be cut in half and still be alive. But you see who Solomon found out to be, who was the real giver versus the taker, the, the, the one who told the truth and the one who lied. You know, when we meet somebody, we should really mean when we say, How are you doing? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a thought for the Eighth Commandment. We just hear that expression and often use it, but let's mean it. How are you doing? How's your welfare? How's your soul? How's your pocketbook? How's your family doing? Can I help? David sees Mephibosheth as an invalid. And you know, if he, if he was like the typical person, you know he's going to just be a, a drag on my family, a drag on my finances, a drag on my kingdom. Somebody's got to carry that man. I don't know if they had wheelchairs. They may have had little carts for people like Mephibosheth. But David said, you're going to sit at my table. I'm going to keep the covenant that I made with your father. Even though he's dead, how often people say, oh, your father's dead. I made a covenant with him. And... Uh, Good riddance, no sir, I'm going to keep my covenant. You, Mephibosheth, are going to be taken care of for the rest of your life. Proverbs tells us, interestingly, Say not, uh, or withhold not good from thy neighbor when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and, I, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Now the first application of that is someone that you owe something to. Say an employer owes wages to his employee. He says, you know, I'm going to wait a day or two and make some interest on this even though you know he's supposed to receive those wages now. And that theft is going on in so many businesses. But I think this is applied especially to you look at someone and say, he has a need, he has a concern, and I can, I can help to meet that. And the Lord says, don't harden your heart to that. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. The idea is, he has that need. Say not to your neighbor, go. And come. It's like James says, go and be, and be, and be taken care of. And you know, The man is thirsty. The man is hungry. The man needs clothes. Uh, may the Lord bless you and, and, and take care of your need when we can be there to help supply it. It's just like Philippians says, each... Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man in his own things, but on the things of others. First Corinthians 10.24 Seek another man's welfare and not your own. And of course, this applies to so many other things too. Uh, the Lord did not forbid interest upon borrowed things, but He did forbid interest upon brothers and sisters that you allowed to borrow something and uh, he's not forbidding interest in itself but in especially the Old Testament he forbids exorbitant interest and we know that that takes place today and what about lawsuits Our, our forefathers said that we should be so careful it's like one said I think he expressed it rightly if we're gonna have to sue do it reluctantly make sure it's a lawful lawsuit and how many are lawful that are taking place today? People are making their millions on unlawful. Instead of giving, instead of forgiving, it's sue, sue, sue happy. As we see those major billboards that are that are inciting and, and uh, um, tempting people to sue over everything. There are people that are trying to fall in parking lots that they might receive lawsuits. And uh, it's something that needs to be done with very... Very reluctantly, I remember hearing of one. And again, it's it's a matter certainly a discussion. But a man was uh, I don't know if he was at a church in a church parking or a church lot or if it was in someone's private home. But uh, the man was mowing and he happened to run over a child of whether it was the homeowner or someone that was a member of the church, and the child lost its leg. Uh, under the mower, and the owner or the the, uh, the the man who did it said, you know, even though they were brothers in the Lord, he said, "Look, I have insurance. You don't. You have to pay this out of pocket." And he said, "You should go ahead and sue me. It's I, I did this. Now again, we can argue over whether or not there was a lawful uh, suit." But we certainly need to be very careful. And the Scripture tells us that we're not to rush to to lawsuits, especially before the heathen we see in 1 Corinthians. Brother and sister, let us have true love for our neighbor and be concerned for their economic and mental and spiritual welfare. Generosity is the next thought. dovetails from charity, doesn't it? The fruit of the Spirit is kindness and goodness. Jesus went about doing good. That's We're to be intentional on being generous day by day. we we saying Psalm 112, it says that the righteous man hath dispersed. That's his element. He wants to disperse. He wants to, to use his wealth to bless others. Proverbs tells us to give and to spare not. Galatians, do good unto all men, especially to those who are of the family of faith. How may I help you is the is the slogan of the believer. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And again our proverb for the day Proverbs twenty eight verse twenty seven says He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Oh I don't want the curse of God, do you? And may I close with this thought, this challenge, this argument for us to be generous. The word is missionary. Of all things that people need, what do they need the most? People need the Lord. What did Peter say when the beggar there at the beautiful gate of the temple was asking for money? Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now Peter was telling the truth. He's saying, silver and gold I have none. Where Where's all the silver and gold from your fishing, Peter? Giving it away. It's, it's, it's in the pot. That's what we're assuming here. The point is, the main point, I have the Lord. I've been recipients of God's saving grace. And and friend, you need more than silver and gold. You need that which riches cannot buy. You need Jesus. And so, brother and sister, we can give our testimonies to people. We can give the Gospel. We can give a Bible. We can give a Gospel tract. We can give an answer to those that ask us. Let us Be ready to give the Gospel of eternal salvation. What did Paul say? He says, I am debtor. I'm a debtor to both Jews and Gentiles. I'm a debtor to sinners. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I didn't deserve God's generosity. I didn't deserve God's salvation. And I feel like I have something that... that is the most important, the most valuable thing in all the world. And shall I keep it to myself? He even says in 1 Corinthians 9, I am all things to all men that I might by all means save some. I want to be so flexible and so helpful and so ready to see people hear the Gospel and get saved. Jesus tells us in a parable to use the unrighteous mammon To reach souls. That when it fails, there's a day when maybe we won't have extra to give. But that one day when we get to heaven, someone is going to say, you know, when when you gave me that gospel tract, when you bought me that meal, when you helped me pay that bill, when when you fixed my fence and you didn't ask anything for it. You know, the Lord used that in my life to think about my need. That this man loves me. This woman cares for me. And I was converted. And you may have never known that that happened. Won't it be wonderful in heaven for people to walk up to you and say, thank you for your generosity? Or even the Lord introducing you to someone. Saying, you know, you know who this person is? Remember back then when you just did a a, a, a favor? you You felt you couldn't afford it and yet... Instead of getting a, a nice meal that day for yourself, you 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 uh, uh, you were content with a burger at a fast food restaurant, and you gave what was, was worth a, a, a hefty meal. And this person was was touched by that, and I used it to point him to myself. We are to be givers and not takers. May God help us not to forget these things. You know, you go from one command to another. And we say, how do we remember all of these precepts and prohibitions? How do we, how do we gather them and, and meditate on them and follow through with them? Well, the Lord is sufficient, isn't He? Let us meditate upon these things. Give ourselves wholly to them as the, as the uh, Apostle admonished Timothy. May God help us like the righteous man to distribute, to disperse, to be generous, to not forget that, that beatitude that is the forgetful beatitude. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen.